Welcome, future doctors, to another episode of the Future Minority Doctor Podcast with Dr. Sulma and Marina, where we bring you conversations to empower and inspire you to contribute to your community and the world by becoming a doctor. Hello, future doctors. Thanks for joining us for another episode here on the Future Minority Doctor podcast. Uh, We really appreciate you listening and your support, and we really hope that you find these episodes helpful for your own pre-med journey. The topic that we'll be discussing today is one that is um, admittedly far too familiar to me and possibly to many of you too, and that is the topic of procrastination. Now, if you've ever put something off until the very last minute, and then experienced a lot of stress trying to get it done by the deadline, maybe a homework assignment, an essay, studying for an exam, a research project assignment, or a project for work even, then you are familiar with the concept of procrastination. Have you ever had an assignment due at noon and you were the one that was submitting it at 11.59? Yeah, then you know what I'm talking about. Now I have to confess, I have been something of a procrastinator my whole life. I have had the bad habit of waiting until something is urgent before I really kick into gear to get it done. And because I wait until it's urgent, I tend to feel high levels of both motivation and stress to get it done when I finally get around to it. Sometimes it's intentional. For example, it's something I dread doing. So I put it off and I put it off and I put it off until it becomes urgent. But sometimes my procrastination is simply a result of being really busy. I simply don't have time to do it until close to the deadline. And so you might experience the same thing. Sometimes it's just that you're really busy. Sometimes it's that you are intentionally avoiding doing it. Now, if I look back at my pre-med years, I used to procrastinate a lot more than I do currently. I used to put off studying until one or two days before an exam. Now, if you've ever done this, you know how stressful it can be. The amount of material you suddenly have to absorb and retain over a very short period of time can feel overwhelming. I also used to pull all-nighters to get a big paper done in time, which was stressful and exhausting. So then I had to spend the next day or two catching up on sleep or just walking around like a zombie. What about you, Dr. Z? Have you ever procrastinated? I think you just uh, described who I was in in undergrad. And um... I, I will say for like those exams, that's when I didn't do well because I, you can't retain so much information just the day. Well, at least I can't. I don't know if there's some people that can, but uh-huh. yeah. And then I remember I used to drink coffee all night just to stay up. And when they would have the library open 24 hours for those, the, the times when there was midterms or finals, that was me there taking naps in between <laughs> studying. Oh, it was horrible. <laughs> Horrible, horrible. Yeah. So I, you know, I get it. We were, we both were guilty of procrastination, especially sometimes in college. Now I've thought personally about where my tendency to procrastinate even comes from. And I'm sure that some of it is a habit that I picked up from my parents, perhaps especially my mom. My mom was always really busy with so many responsibilities, taking care of a family, going to school, going to work, church stuff that she tended to just go from one urgent task to the next one out of necessity. So maybe I unintentionally picked that habit up from her. But I'm sure some of it has also been my own choices as well. So if you're a procrastinator like me or like Dr. Z, 
what can you do to overcome this habit? This is the question we want to help you answer today in this podcast episode. So luckily, there has been a lot of research studying procrastination, its causes, and what can be done to change. And how you overcome procrastination requires you to first understand why you procrastinate. So let's go over the four main reasons why people in general, including possibly you, procrastinate. And as we review these reasons, ask yourself, does this ring true for me? If I'm honest with myself, does this explain my own behavior? Okay, reason number one, you have low confidence in your ability to succeed. One of the major reasons many people procrastinate is because deep down, they don't believe they have what it takes to be successful. Let's pretend you're taking a physics class. Dr. Z, you remember physics, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're old nemesis, yes. okay? <laughs> so let's pretend you're taking a physics class, or maybe you actually are right now. Maybe you didn't grow up being exposed to a lot of math or a lot of physics, or you've had difficult experiences in a math or physics class before. So maybe you don't think of yourself as good in these subjects. Your subconscious belief or conscious belief may be that you're not cut out for physics and you will probably struggle and just barely pass the class. So what happens is that when the time for your first physics exam approaches, you don't really want to study because you already have this subconscious belief that physics is hard, that you're not good at it, and you probably won't get a good grade anyway. So as a result of these negative beliefs, you put off studying until the last day or two, and then suddenly the stress of an impending exam kicks in, and you finally get around to cramming as much as you can. You stay up late and feel even more miserable trying to stuff all of this physics into your brain at the last minute, which makes you dislike physics even more. Since cramming is not the most effective way to retain information, you end up getting a C or lower or something around there on your exam. Getting that bad grade then reinforces your belief that you are not good at physics. So you see how this cycle works? Your subconscious or your conscious belief feeds into the procrastination, which then reinforces the belief and the negative cycle just continues. Does this sound familiar at all to you, Dr. Z? Yes, very much so, especially physics. But yeah, that's just, you know, if you've ever heard of the self-fulfilling prophecy, it's basically what that is. You have these thoughts Mm-hmm. And then you actually fulfill them <laughs> and then you believe them. But yeah, it definitely sounds very familiar. Yeah. Was there something that you did in particular to try to overcome that negative cycle or was it just over time that it happened? I think it was over time um, where I realized that, you know, if I'm struggling more in a class, that means I need more time to study it and to understand it. And then as we've talked in, in, um, in other episodes and asking for help because I just knew this wasn't my strength. But I mean, Mm -hmm. as much as you do all that, when you go into taking the test, you still get all that anxiety and so forth. So initially, there was a lot of cramming last minute. But I think over time, I just learned how to study more and realize that it's okay if I'm struggling with something. And it's okay if I have to take more time than other people to learn it. Great points. Great points. Yeah, we're not all the same. Some of us are going to struggle more in English, some more in math, some more in biology. Like we're all, we're all different. That's okay. Mm -hmm. So if you think that one of the reasons that you procrastinate is because you have this type of conscious or subconscious negative belief about your ability to succeed, you might be asking yourself, what can you do? 
So first, you can work on changing the negative beliefs about yourself to more positive ones. There are simple ways that you can take charge and start to believe in your ability to succeed, but it does take time and it takes practice. If you haven't already done so, go back and listen to episode 59, The Power of Positive Thinking, where we talk all about changing your beliefs and changing your mindset. Secondly, you can start to prove yourself wrong by doing things a little differently a few times, little by little. Next time an exam is coming up, do this experiment. Set aside about two hours a day or whatever amount of time you think is appropriate to study for that exam. Don't worry too much about how you'll do on the exam at this point. This is just an experiment to see how you do if you study every day instead of just cramming the night before the test. This might be challenging because it's a new way of doing things for you, but give it a try. What is likely to happen is that you will do better than you expected on your next test and you will prove to yourself that you are not as bad at that subject as you thought you were. This will act as proof to your mind, to your brain, that you do have what it takes to succeed and that old negative belief will begin to melt away. And the more you do this over time, the more you prove to yourself that that negative belief is false and you prove to yourself the opposite, that you are capable of doing hard things, that you are capable of succeeding. Now, remember, this type of behavior change takes practice. So if it doesn't work right away, please don't give up. Try it at least a few times and tailor it, of course, to your own circumstances, your own needs, your own preferences. Anything to add, Dr. Z? Yeah, um, just as a personal experience, the other the other thing I struggled with, as I've shared before, was just writing. That just wasn't my strength either. And I remember I used to cram until like the day or, or two before, and I was a psychology major. So we had like 10, 20 page assignments to do. Uh-huh. But the topic itself was interesting to me, but I had such this like negative thoughts about myself that it's just, I can't get my thoughts onto the paper, right? So I used to just procrastinate and stay up all night, you know, writing this paper. But what I ended up realizing is, let me just do little by little and I would set little goals for myself. Like I'll do three to four pages today and then the next thing the next day. And it took a lot of that stress off. And then when I've actually completed the paper and I submitted it, and then you see that you do better. And I would actually surprise myself. Oh, I did okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> and again, you know, it, it's a process of learning. And I mean, that took me about three years, I think, in undergrad. <laughs> but um, hopefully by you guys listening to this, maybe breaking it down like that will help when you have already those um, negative self-thoughts. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And I have a, uh, an example that's very, very similar to that as well. Okay, moving on to reason number two that you might struggle with procrastination. And that is that you are convinced that the process will be difficult, kind of like Dr. Z's story just demonstrated. Have you ever put off doing something simply because you dread doing it? You cannot stand the thought of starting it because you know it's going to be so miserable. This is one of the major reasons why so many people, including me, procrastinate. In college, I would put off writing, just like you, Dr. Z, these long papers (laughs) um, because I knew it involved sitting in front of a computer for hours and hours, avoiding distractions, and concentrating very intently to get it done. It also involved coming up with new ideas and putting those ideas into nicely crafted sentences that I hoped my professor or TA would find worthy of a good grade. 
Plus, I would recall the last time I had to write a long paper, and I would remember how miserable that was. But really, if I were to look back and say, why was that last experience miserable? It was because I put it off until the night before. I had to stay up all night writing it. I was stressed about being able to finish it on time. I was tired. (laughs) I was stressed that because I was rushing, I wouldn't do a good job and I wouldn't get a good grade. So the fact is that writing papers became more miserable than it had to be because I would procrastinate. And again, it's this concept of this cycle that feeds into itself. So can you see how this sort of cycle is self-perpetuating? You dread doing something because it was miserable the last time. So you procrastinate again. And then you have a miserable time again. And in the process, you reinforce that idea that writing papers is miserable. But again, in reality, a lot of the misery of doing that is because of the procrastination, not necessarily because of the writing itself. So if you step back and you think about, okay, what part of this process is truly something I hate doing versus how much of it is something that still has the taste of a bad memory from the past? And what if I try doing it differently this time? Is it still going to be miserable? Well, you're not going to know unless you try, unless you try changing that habit that you've already developed over time. Dr. Z, did you ever get caught up in this type of cycle? I think you already told us this story about writing. Are there other examples you can think of? Yeah, I would say probably like the first year I did, I probably did this in every class I took, whether it was math, science, writing, a psychology course. And I, and I agree with you. What, and what we end up attributing to negative thoughts is likely more so the process because being stressed does not feel good, right? So, but then we end up thinking it's the subject or the class that we dislike, but it's actually the process of what we put ourselves through. So we blame the class for it. Uh-huh. It's not really the class. So just thinking back as I'm hearing you talk, it's exactly what you said. Like when I, really just stepped back and instead of procrastinating and really just giving myself time, study time over a longer period of time, I ended up enjoying the material better as well. And even with the writing, I ended up feeling like those negative thoughts I had in the anxiety might have not necessarily been just because of my thoughts with writing, but it was just because I had a lot of anxiety because I was trying to complete it all in a day or two. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I think it's true. Our minds tend to confuse those, you know, factors. It's like all we remember is the emotional misery (laughs) that we went through last time. And our brain isn't good at picking it apart unless we intentionally do that. And we start to experiment with new ways of trying it, uh, new ways of doing the work we need to do. So if this is what you struggle with, (laughs) um, if this is the phenomenon that contributes most to your procrastination, then the solution is to start to break the cycle. You have to start doing things differently in order to prove to yourself, to prove to your brain that things don't have to be as difficult as your brain wants to think they are from past memories. So you can start doing a few things um, to break the cycle. And a couple of those are, first of all, start your assignments or your studying early. Now, this (laughs) sounds difficult if you're not used to doing it. All you have to do is, okay, you just took an exam yesterday. So your old self wants to say, oh, my next exam is not for two weeks. I have all the time. I don't need to start studying at all this week. Just start doing it. Set your timer to 30 minutes or 15 minutes, whatever you want to try, and just start. 
start studying something for your next exam or start doing your next homework assignment or start writing that paper. Starting is often the hardest part of anything. And often what happens when you just start, when you force yourself to do that, you will realize that after 30 minutes, you actually have the momentum to do more than 30 minutes. But it's just that starting that's the hardest part for many people. Another thing you can do is break your task into smaller tasks that are doable in a short amount of time and they don't feel overwhelming. Often our brain will get overwhelmed at the thought of a lot of work all at once. So if I think, oh my gosh, I have to write a 20 page paper, I'm never going to get it done. That sounds so hard. But you can trick your brain into feeling better by thinking about just the next small step. For example, focus on just getting one paragraph done or one page done or the next section done. Try to just keep your brain from looking at like the top of the mountain because looking at the top of the mountain is overwhelming. Just look at the next step that you have to take in order to get to that top. So if you have an exam to study for, just think about the next topic. If you have a chemistry problem set to work on, just think about the next problem. Don't think about the whole thing or else what happens is you risk overwhelming your brain. And you know what happens when you feel overwhelmed. You avoid. And the goal is to break that cycle, to break that habit so that you stop getting overwhelmed at the thought of doing something and you just do it. You just start. That is something that really has helped me personally to stop getting overwhelmed by the big things that I have to do and just tell my brain, hey, you don't have to think about the top of the mountain. Just think about the next step. Take the next step. Everybody can take the next step. Another thing is also reward yourself in small ways for every step that you complete. And these rewards don't have to be like food or money or anything expensive. They can be just a few minutes watching a show you like. They can be five minutes to text a friend. They can be dancing to a great song for a little study break. Or they can be spending some time outside or with your dog or with a family member, right? It doesn't have to be big. But reward yourself so that your brain starts to believe, okay, like I'm doing this. I can keep doing this. This is good. This is fun. This is doable. And then lastly, start to practice positive affirmations and even visualizations about the task that you have to do. If your brain tends to tell you, ugh, I hate writing papers, every time you have to sit down to write a paper, force your mind to come up with one thing that you actually like about writing papers. It could be something like, I get to learn and write about a subject I'm passionate about, or I get to improve my writing skills with practice. Or I get to ignore the rest of the world and just spend time with my own thoughts for a while. You can also visualize yourself having a good time writing your paper and proudly holding that completed paper at the end. Close your eyes and just see yourself enjoying the process and feeling proud of the result. And you only have to do this for a minute or two, but just really visualize it. Use your imagination to really see yourself doing that, enjoying it, and see the final result. Positive affirmations and visualizations can have incredible effects on your attitude and your experience, especially if you practice them over and over again over time. Dr. Z, have you ever tried those sorts of practices for yourself? Yeah, um, I think I just th- this is actually what Dr. Marina is saying is very good practice for you to start an undergrad because this is how you will survive medical school. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, it's like as soon as one test is done, you're already starting to study for something else because you don't want to fall too far behind. But these visualizations and affirmations, that's kind of what I would 
tell myself during medical school. I don't think I learned that quite well while I was an undergrad, uh-huh. but it really just helped me to keep myself motivated. And I really, I actually, the rewarding myself was my thing that really helped me as well. Or even if I just did a little bit, oh, if I do this, okay, then I can do this. So that uh-huh. way I felt like I had something to look forward to. Yeah. What ways would you reward yourself? So I love to to salsa dance. Mm-hmm. So when I would like do good studying for like the whole week, I would call some friends and we would go like once a week salsa dancing. Uh-huh. And to me, that made me feel good. It was something I enjoyed doing and it kept me motivated throughout medical school. Mm-hmm. So I used to do that often. And that was my little weekly reward that I did. Sometimes it would be the calling someone on the phone, like you said, a friend, uh, watching TV as well. That would be like, oh, I want to see this movie that just came out. And that was my little reward as well. So um, those are the kind of things. But I just remember in medical school, I really used the salsa dancing. Like, I can't go unless I get that, 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 that done. <laughs> uh-huh. But you do have to stick to it, right? Like yeah. You're, you're yeah. the only one holding yourself accountable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it relies on you. Excellent. Thanks for sharing that. Okay, reason number three why people procrastinate. Perfectionism. Now, this one might be a little hard to understand, but let me explain. So one reason that some of us procrastinate is because we are perfectionists. We want to get every question right or get an A on every assignment or have the perfect PowerPoint presentation or paper or whatever it is, right? Perfectionism can be admirable. But it can also be debilitating because it can cause us to feel incredibly overwhelmed. The thought process can be something like this. If I start my presentation now, I have to do a lot of work to make it perfect. And it's going to take me a long time. And what if I don't get everything exactly right? There's a lot of pressure you put on yourself, right? So sometimes what perfectionists do in order to kind of deal with these overwhelming feelings of needing to be perfect is that they procrastinate. Instead of starting early and having enough time to actually complete a perfect presentation, you avoid starting it because the very thought of having to do everything perfectly is overwhelming. And by procrastinating, you end up having to do a sloppier job at the last minute, which falls short of your own perfectionist expectations. However, because you procrastinated, your mind has an excuse. It tells you, well, I didn't do a perfect job because I didn't have the time to. So your ego as a perfectionist goes unscathed, but the result is still less than it could have been without the procrastination. Does that make sense? Dr. Z's, have you ever uh, witnessed that sort of phenomenon? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm a perfectionist in what sense? I would say like, when I have to do a presentation. But I also dread the public speaking part of it, but also just how it has to be perfect because I feel like everything, what I stand for is is a presentation. Uh So I tend to do that, like with that example that you gave. So Mm -hmm. I've learned now I do it in pieces as well, just like kind of the things that we talked about before. But yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, And I should mention too, uh, perfectionists may sometimes avoid doing things altogether. You might not get a project done at all because you were too afraid to start. Or you may drop out of classes or stop trying to even reach a goal because deep down you believe, I can't do it perfectly, so I might as well give up. And this is tragic because I think it stops some people from even reaching for their goals 
And they just never get there because this perfectionism is debilitating. Now, I consider myself to be a recovering perfectionist. (laughs) I struggled with perfectionism the most in college, and I was afraid of doing a lot of things because of it. Over time, I've had to learn to just accept some things as good enough and move on without taking it too personally or allowing it to damage my ideas about myself. Okay, so what do you do if this is you? What if perfectionism is keeping you from doing the things you want to do? And what if it's causing you to procrastinate more than you want to? The solutions are basically the same as what we've already discussed. There's a lot of overlap. So first of all, start changing your beliefs about yourself. We're going to say this over and over again, not just in this episode, in other things. If there are negative things that are contributing to your problems in life, then you have the power to change them. Tell yourself that you are worthy and capable, even if some of the things you do are not judged to be perfect. Practice telling yourself that it's okay to just do a good job sometimes and to save your great work for the things that really matter most to you. Let go of caring what other people think of you. Even better, tell your own inner critic to go take a hike. A lot of us are very critical of ourselves. Sometimes we are more critical of ourselves than other people are. And that sometimes is where the real problem lies. So just kind of letting go of that inner critic or telling it to, hey, I hear you go sit in the corner. I don't want, you know, I don't want your (laughs) negative thoughts around me. You can do that to your own thoughts. So again, listen to episode 59. If you haven't already done so a lot of good tips there about Um, changing your thinking to more positive thoughts. And then another idea is just to start changing your own behaviors in order to prove to yourself that you can be okay and reach your goals, even if things aren't always perfect. Just like we mentioned before, you can start changing those habits a little bit at a time. And the more you practice changing them, the easier it will get. And can I just add something that I feel sometimes has helped me is The reality is nobody's perfect, right? It really doesn't exist, but I would find, and sometimes I still use this, like people who I find as role models and I've seen where they've had their hiccups, right? But I still see them in a very respectable way and I still admire them. So kind of just reminds me like, oh, so-and-so did this, but they're still great people. Like they, it's, it's okay. Right. So I feel sometimes when you can um, find someone that you look up to, and of course, they have not been perfect, and you know about those things, but they're still held in your eyes as with high regard, it's, it's good to have that person because then it's like a visual image, like, oh, you know what, it's okay that, it, that I don't have to be perfect, that this doesn't have to be this way or that way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think another thing about perfectionism is perfectionism is an illusion. Mm -hmm. Nobody and nothing is perfect. And so holding yourself up to an impossible standard really is is mostly damaging. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, you know, you should aim to do as well as you possibly can do. But there's no such thing as perfect. Let go. If you have that ideal, start to let go of it. Because it really did a lot of damage to me, to my mental health in my past to feel like there was such a thing as perfect and that I had to aim for that, uh, it caused much more harm than good. (laughs) So that's something that I learned in my life that I would recommend to other people who find themselves in that same mindset. All right, last reason, reason number four. So 
Reason number four why we procrastinate is difficulty with delayed gratification, impulsivity, or distractibility. Some of you may have a really hard time seeing the benefit of putting in the hard work now when the reward of doing so seems so far away. When it comes to being a doctor, after all, it takes years and years of hard work to finally earn that MD and finish that residency to become the doctor that you dream of. If this is you, it may be really helpful to break things down into smaller steps and reward yourself frequently, like we already talked about. Also, remind yourself of your bigger goal frequently in order to stay motivated. Ask yourself often, what are my values in life? Why do I want to reach my goal? Daily visualization exercises may be really helpful to just keep you aware and keep you reminded about why you are doing what you're doing and in order to stay motivated. Some of you may also struggle with distractibility or impulsivity. Both of these are features of a condition called attention deficit and hyperactivity disorder, or ADHD. Now, ADHD isn't simply being distracted by social media or by Netflix once in a while. It's a consistent pattern of having trouble staying focused and having trouble completing tasks on a near daily basis. You may be in the middle of a lecture and catch yourself daydreaming multiple times, and then you're completely lost and have no idea what the professor is saying. You might find yourself always choosing to do something else that is more immediately rewarding, like going out with friends, playing a video game, spending way too much time on social media, rather than do your homework or your assignments, and you might be falling quite behind, you might be failing classes. You may forget things easily, like where you put your keys, your assignment due dates, or your doctor's appointment. If you feel that you are highly distractible or impulsive, To a point that is really interfering with your life, we do encourage you to talk to your doctor or a psychologist or psychiatrist about whether you might have undiagnosed ADHD. There are many treatments that can be helpful in overcoming these unique challenges, including therapy and medications. And hopefully we would like to have an episode in the future talking specifically about ADHD because there are many people that go undiagnosed. It's something that, especially women, Women can present with ADHD in different ways compared to men. And so sometimes they go undiagnosed until they're teenagers or adults even. And this can happen with men as well because the severity is different in every person. And some people have it milder. Some people have it more severe. Some people have just the distractibility, but not the hyperactivity. And so if you're one of those people that just daydreams a lot, but isn't necessarily like, you know, getting out of your chair or having to do things all the time then you might go under the radar. People might not notice that you have trouble with attention. So just something to be aware of. And we do hope to have a future episode on this topic. Dr. Z, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, um, especially within, you know, our community, guys, uh, sometimes it's seen negatively if you have ADHD, or even negatively, if you need to be on psychiatric medications as well. And really just Trying to get over that stigma is really important because, I mean, now that I'm a practicing doctor and I'm pretty sure Marina has seen this, I've seen the kids who have gone their whole lives undiagnosed. And when we finally get to it and they start treatment, I mean, it's day and night of how well they're performing and how well they're able to focus. And 
definitely in their life, they see the difference to the point where there's tears sometimes like, wow, or especially for the parents that they said, I can't believe I let this go this long and they've struggled for so long. So don't be scared to ask your doctor or go to a therapist and talk to them about this if this is something that you're struggling with, because we have treatment, it can help you. Exactly. Yes. I absolutely see the same thing, especially as a pediatrician. I see the resistance from families. A lot of families don't want their kids to be labeled <laughs> with a certain psychiatric diagnosis. And then they really are scared of medications. But for people who truly meet the criteria, medications can be life altering. They can be transformative. I've heard the same kind of stories that you mentioned. So don't be afraid to talk. You may or may not, you know, have it, but if you're concerned, it is worth exploring. Okay. So one last thing I want to mention in this is not all procrastination is a problem. I remember many years ago, I was a fourth year medical student and I was seeing a psychiatrist. And one day I went to his office and he was just asking me how I was doing. And I said, you know what? I keep procrastinating <laughs> and I get so stressed at the last minute trying to do this project or this assignment or study. And I'm just tired. Like, why, you know, why do I procrastinate? I'm tired of it. How do I change it? And he said to me, well, you procrastinate because you get away with it. You are what's called a successful procrastinator. And he explained that some people procrastinate and end up failing classes or getting fired from their jobs, but others do it and seem to thrive anyway. Sometimes putting something off until the last minute can actually motivate you to do it more efficiently, and you can benefit from that extra adrenaline that kicks you into gear to get it done. So of course, this, this is highly variable. Some people procrastinate, and they end up writing a great paper anyway and getting an A, or they procrastinate and they cram, and they still get a good grade. So if you're in that bucket of people who tend to successfully procrastinate, it may not be a problem. And you might not have to change anything about what you're doing. However, I would say most people who procrastinate are not quite that lucky. And you may start to suffer academically. You might suffer in terms of your mental health. You might suffer in terms of your sleep or just, you know, you might suffer in many different ways because of procrastination. So if you're one of those, it's really time to figure out what you can do to change things around. And as we always say, change takes time and it takes practice, but it is possible. And we hope that this episode gave you some ideas about what you can do to take better charge of your life and your time. I do also want to mention this book. It's Procrastination, Why You Do It, What to Do About It Now by Jane B. Burka and Lenora M. Yuen. I took some of the ideas for this episode from this book, and I found it personally helpful as well. Dr. Z, any last thoughts on this topic of procrastination? Yeah, so um, I think you brought up great, great points and really things that took us years to learn. And hopefully, we're shedding some light so people don't have to wait years like us. But it's really a good practice to try to work around not being a procrastinator, especially academically, just because I feel even if you're a good procrastinator in medical school, it's really hard to do well <laughs> uh -huh. because there's so much material that comes at you that you have to really give time and break things up because of the amount of stuff that you need to know. So start getting into the habit now in undergrad of breaking things up so that way you aren't procrastinating 
for for certain things, I would say. I mean, like if you're good at just writing a paper right before it's due and you always get A's, I think that's okay. But as far as like when you're thinking about your other courses, especially your pre-med courses or upper division science courses, start practicing how you can devote some time to it every day versus just the night before. So you do do well because that's going to reflect in medical school. Absolutely. I agree. I think the vast majority of people who procrastinate can do better about it. And, and it feels better not to procrastinate because then you're not experiencing that stress. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in medical school, especially it's, it's a skill that you need to have to start things early and spread things out over time. Because I mean, even though I told my, my uh, psychiatrist that I was procrastinating, compared to how I had been doing in college, I had gotten a lot better over time. So I was exaggerating a bit, but um, by the time I got to medical school, I had to figure it out. I could not cram the night before for every test. That would have been disastrous. <laughs> so, but even then, because they say that, you know, learning in medical school is like drinking from a fire hose. It's just so much information. Sometimes even though you're studying as much as you can every day, you can still feel behind. Yeah. And so it's kind of still that stressful feeling like you get when you procrastinate, but you're not actually procrastinating. You're just doing the best you can. And it's just a difficult situation. But the more you learn now in college or as a pre-med, how to overcome procrastination, the better you will be when you get to medical school and the more successful you will be. So do as much as you can now to figure this out and to change your habits, change your thoughts if this is a problem for you. We hope that you enjoyed this episode, that you learned something that can be personally beneficial to you. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful day. Peace and love.